You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. flames of fire and we began to see that fire has levels praise the lord all fires are not equal we saw we learned that there's candle fire which you can just you know use your hand and squeeze off there is wood fire that you can break and you know it will go off. and then we saw that there is propane fire gas fire the only response to that fire is that you do what you escape, praise the Lord. And we will not be candle fire. Amen. We'll be greater than propane fire because it's the Lord who makes us flames of fire in Jesus' name. And then also we learn that in this work and in, according to the record of scriptures, we're told about a fire that the Bible calls strange fire. It means that the inspiration for those people did not come from the Lord. And what we saw was that immediately they were struck dead. And we saw that, or rather we learned that in the Old Testament, death was immediate, it was physical. If God is happy with you, you live physically. If God is not happy with you, you die physically. But in the New Testament, because the life we are having now is a spiritual life. So someone can be strong physically, but in the spirit, the person has expired. And that will not be a portion in Jesus' name. So we are careful that in this time, we will not bring strange fire in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Can anybody give me an example of strange fire today? Just quickly, let me know whether we'll understand what we are learning. Okay, pr praise God. Let me give you a very good illustration. Many years ago, you know, when we were in the church where before, we had um, a choir, a musical program. So different choirs were singing and singing and singing. So this particular uh, choir director, lead of this choir, came up and took the mic. And he said, some people sing to the glory of their building. We are just dedicated a, you know, a nice building then. Some people sing about their pastor. Some people sing about their bishop. But that now that he has come here to tell us how to sing, and we're waiting for him to praise God like never before. And the song he started singing was, guess what? I'm blessed in the city. Everybody say blessed. Okay, everybody say blessed. And we're wondering, hey, <laughs> we're already feeling that, ah, maybe we were not, you know, channeling this praise well enough to God. So let this brother come and show us, you know. And then he started, and we're all, Okay, so what must have happened with this brother is that maybe he was challenged by the ministration of these other choirs. Instead of him, you know, joining the chorus and just praising God and then coming to sing the little one that God gave him, he first finished every other person and brought this his local fire. But simply what it means is that when what is pushing you, driving you, is not zeal for the Lord's house, is not zeal for God. So there's a lot of work being done by persons that are not inspired of the Lord. 
and God will deliver us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We learn that Christ died for us. Okay, so we all died. So that those of us who live no longer live for ourselves. It's, you know, it's when you read those things, they sound very foul, but you can break it down. So our Lord Jesus Christ says, when someone slaps you, okay, let me use myself so that somebody is not angry with me. When somebody slaps me, okay, if he slaps me, who has he slapped? Me. Now, what should be my normal response? I should slap back. But Christ says, I should tongue the other cheek. When I turn the other cheek, you know what the message I'm sending? I'm sending a message that I'm not normal. I'm sending a message that this person you slapped is not an ordinary person. The person who slaps me and sees I turn the other cheek is going to have an encounter with Christ. As simple as that. Because he has never and will never see a person respond like that. I've read the story. Some of us may have read the story about three Chinese men in the United States. I don't know whether it's a true story. Who were going about churches. And when they get into any church, they'll ask for the pastor. And when they see the pastor, they'll just give him a hot slap. And most times, the pastor will return with a hotter one. And then they'll leave and continue their journey. Until they found somewhere that they slapped the pastor and the pastor turned the other cheek. And they started screaming and rejoicing and shouting. Finally, they found Christians. Because these were the only people who did not defend their own interest. But put forward the interest of Christ. The Lord will give us grace in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. We, we took our reading from 2 Corinthians 5, and we can take that reading again. Let me read from verse 12 now. I think we read from verse 15. The Bible says, For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we have sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ. We highlighted this on Sunday. It's about Christ, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. We employ on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. 21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Praise the Lord. If we go on and read chapter 6 verse 1. It says, We then as workers together with him. Also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. What we have here is the Apostle Paul trying to cut across the picture to us and the people of the Corinthians at the time he wrote 
what God had intended, what God had done, and what God had accomplished. Verse 19 says that God was in Christ. When Christ hung on that cross, God was doing something. The Bible says he made him who knew no sin. You see, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is sinless. He's perfect. Praise the Lord. He's God in the flesh. When the enemy tempted him and did all of that, he did not commit one iota of sin. He was blameless in all his ways. Therefore, he must not be permitted to suffer any wrong. Praise the Lord. In fact, it was possible for him to experience pain. Why? Because pain, sickness, death, and all of them came as a result of sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is what? Death. Now, death is a culmination. When somebody suffers pain and the pain reaches a degree, a magnitude, what happens is that pain and the person agrees that it's better for the person to die. How many of us know that death is an escape? The body and pain agree. This pain is too much, so let the person die. You know that's what happens. Okay? So, degrees of pain represent degrees of death. So, invariably, our Lord Jesus should not experience any degree of pain. Why? Because there was no sin found in him. However, when he took our place at Gethsemane, that's why the suffering began at Gethsemane. That's why that's where he sweated, sweats of blood. No lash had been put on him. It was at that point he agreed. You know, remember the prayer he prayed at Gethsemane? What was the prayer? He said, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from That was when he drank the cup of the Father's wrath against sin. That's when he said, yes, I will become sin for these people. Okay? From that moment, the grief and the grievance came upon him. And from that moment, he began to ask for prayers. Before then, he never asked for prayers. That's why he'll come to them and say, please pray with me. Why? This pain is unbearable. He should not, ought not to have suffered that pain. However, because he was taking the sin, the weight of the punishment, God's anger, against sin upon him it came upon him emotionally we saw the physical one and all of that so jesus was god's settlement you know it was the clearing house for those of us who have worked in the banks when we send in all your checks from you know from uh, abc bank xyz bank and all of that every morning all the banks meet at central bank and it's called clearing what happens is that every bank presents the checks that are drawn on it and then every bank presents the checks that are also deposited on it. And in that clearing house, they mix everything and at the end of the day, some people will come in with a credit and go out with a debit. Praise the Lord. Some will come in with a debit and go out with a credit depending on what they came in with. Now, in Christ, what happened is that we were brought into Christ with the weight and judgment of sin against us. Praise the Lord. But Christ also coming in with his righteousness took the weight of our sin. Hallelujah. And then when we now experience Christ, what happens is that we experience his own righteousness. So we have credited to account because of Christ the righteousness which is the gift of God, which is of faith in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. So that's what the Apostle Paul was trying to tell us here. That that was what took place. And then based on that verse 20 says, now then, we are ambassadors. We are carrying this message. You know why we are ambassadors? Because what Christ did for us on the cross is enough for the whole world. You know, there are some benefits I discover. In my interest, I hide it. Because if more people find it, they will liquidate it. 
They will dilute it. Praise the Lord. But the beautiful thing about the goodness of God in Christ Jesus is that it's enough for everybody. Hallelujah, somebody. It's enough for your enemies. It's enough for your friends. It's enough for family. It's enough for everybody. In Christ, there is room for everyone. Praise the Lord, somebody. So Paul is saying we are now commissioned as ambassadors of this marvelous, glorious privilege. So we ought to go out everywhere imploring, beseeching every man, be reconciled to Christ. Why? Because it's such a deal that nobody can say no to it. Praise the Lord. It's not the type of deal that uh, my wife pointed out. There's an advert on television. I don't know if you've seen it. Somebody was telling the friend about a product. And he said, this product is so good and there's a deal on it. He said, what's the deal? He said, one is $25. If you buy two, the deal is $50. And hey, you see now. So the friend said, then there's no bargain. The, man, the boy laughed and said, I knew you would find out. He said, the bargain is that if you buy three, it will be $80. <laughs> Mad people everywhere. <laughs> Can you beat that? The deal is that if you buy, now buy three. <laughs> so the deal we have in Christ is not like that. Praise the Lord. The deal we have in Christ is that the sinner comes and when he dips himself like the song, songwriter wrote under that fountain, what happens? He will lose all his guilty stains. Praise the Lord, somebody. So tell somebody, why are you not spreading that good news? I ought to be spreading that good news. Amen. And if we go to verse 17 of the text where we read, it says, therefore, I wanted to, I was led to just do some, you know, emphasis on that, therefore, but let me see if I'm still able to come to it, so we'll deal with it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he has become a new creation. All things have what? Passed away, all things have become new. Now, verse 18 tells us how this plays out. All these all things that are new now says all things of God. You know what has happened now? In Christ, you have become God. You are reconciled to God. So you and God are on the same side. Hallelujah. And we are heirs of God, right? And joint heirs with Christ. Now what he's saying there is this. All things have become new. All things are of God. You are of God. So invariably what happens? All things are yours. Praise the Lord. So if someone is in Christ... I will not, I ought not to cry because I don't have a thing. Why? Because all things belong to God. And since God is mine and I am God, is somebody getting what I'm talking about? All things have become mine. So why should I be weeping that I don't have something when I have Christ? And in Christ, I've been given the title to all things. That's what he was saying there. All things have passed away. All things have become new. He says, now all things are of God and you are God's. Praise the Lord. So this is what the Spirit of God is, you know, is making us understand here. Now, if you look at this passage now, look at 16. The first line is therefore, 17, therefore. Let me mention this. I hope it doesn't take me out of our study, what we want to do tonight. But I want you, if you have time and you're the kind of person that likes to do some studies, I want you to study the therefores of the Bible. You know, therefore is one statement that I think is uh, 1,356 therefores in the Bible. And the Spirit of God was telling me the reason God has so many therefores there is because of something he also said in Isaiah 118. You know what he says? He said, come, let us do what? Let us reason together. If you study the therefores of the Bible, you will enjoy God. Because you see, unlike we parents that can tell children, sit down there. And the child will struggle. He said, come on, I'm your father. I said, sit down there and keep quiet. When God wants to tell you sit down, he will give you a reason. 
and say, therefore what? Sit down. Is somebody getting, there'll be a basis. But the thing is that we don't listen to any of them. But if you listen, you'll embrace. We're learning today at Launch Our Fellowship about Lord's wife. And we saw how it should have been impossible for her to fail. Praise God. I mean, it was an eye-opener. It was the angels actually physically held their hands to lead them out of danger. Yes, she still failed. The angels struck a home, the men of a whole city blind. So you know these men are supernatural. So you know they are worshipped. So if these men who struck people blind tell you don't look back, why should you look back? <laughs> are you getting it? So he says, come, let us reason together. Why? Because on judgment day, People will be judging them. You see, nobody that day will say, God, no, why? No. Everybody that looks at you will say, I was a fool. Praise the Lord. But the Lord will keep us above in Jesus' name. So we began on Sunday to look at, for Christ's sake, I think we tried to deal the angle of the sufferings for Christ, the endurance for Christ and all of that. We looked at Philippians 1.29, which talks about to us, he has been granted on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to what? To suffer for his sake. Okay, let me read the other one so we understand. First uh, Corinthians 4.10 itself says, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are, you know, wise and you all of that. Then Second Corinthians 12, uh, from 7 to 10, where the apostle Paul was saying about his request to the Lord Jesus to take away the infirmity. You see, when you understand also the simplicity and the truth of the Bible, you see why this is so. In the Bible, in Ephesians, the Bible says we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Where? In heavenly places. Where? In Christ. Now, sir, if I am in Christ, okay, then I cannot dodge the things that come to Christ. If I'm in, I'm in. It's like marriage. If I'm in marriage, praise the Lord, I'm no longer girlfriend. I'm no longer boyfriend. So I don't visit and go. Do you understand? I've entered. So what I see, what you see is where you are. Praise the Lord. It's not courtship. It's not finding. You have said, I do. You have done. Eh? Praise the Lord. When you are in Christ, you cannot be in Christ and then wake up tomorrow and say, I don't like this thing. Uh, uh, why, why are ch- uh, small children talking to me anyhow? Is it because I'm in church? Yes, it's because you're in church. You're in Christ. As simple as that. If you've had the experience of joining a paramilitary organization, the first day you come, the sergeant master might be your, the age of your child. When he comes, if you people greet him, he won't even answer you. I think they start that to intimidate you. Then when they speak to you, you don't answer, sir. Sir! Until you learn it, you might suffer for some time. Do you understand? They didn't force you to come and join. But if you came to join, you must do what? You must humble yourself. In Christ, it's an into. So when you get into it, there, whatever portion that is Christ, whatever location that is yours in Christ, what do you do? You embrace it. There's a principle in scripture, I may not have the reference, but I'll be happy if you find it there, that we learn from our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter, when they came to arrest Jesus, brought out his knife to deliver Jesus. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said to Peter, the portion that my father has given to me is what? Is good enough for me. The challenge we have with believers this time is that the portion that they've chosen for them is not good enough for them. So everybody wants his neighbor's portion. Is somebody getting it? In Christ, there's a path you will run. There's a path you're going to tread. 
Jesus had, um, I, I wanted to say 12 apostles, but let's take away Judas. Let's say he had 11. Now, one of them were used to start the real missionary work of the gospel. James had to be beheaded. It was his portion. Remember, it was James and John that the mother, their mother came to say, let these people occupy the best positions. So James went first, John went last. It was their portion in Christ. Are any of them regretting now? No. Because at the end of your journey, you find out that your portion is your best path to fulfillment. Praise the Lord. And this person is determining this portion. That's why, you know, there are some things you just learn from God and you just thank God in a way that nobody will understand. God knows how much you can bear, sir. I was telling, you know, I was sitting with some friends, you know, sometime and I was talking. And I was telling them that the danger with some Christians is that they have entered into a level of luxury that they don't have, heaven did not assign to them. That's why they're compromised. That's why they get into, into pride, adultery, and all kinds of things. Because this man, the way God designed him, he should be, you know, just a person leading some men faithfully to Christ. But he has so blown himself up. Eh? that ladies that ordinarily would not notice him because of his, you know, import and, you know, uh, his clout are now dancing around him. And he doesn't have the grace to look at them and keep his eyes closed. So he has blown himself away from the size of his protective coat. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? God knows what you can bear. So he knows the path he takes you through. He knows the portion that if he leads you through, you arrive safely in Christ. And when that is done, like I think uh, our sister, Pastor Jumoke, reminded us about the parable of the 11 tower worker. At the end of the day, everybody gets the same reward because it's the master that assigned it. Praise the Lord. Once you do your path, that's all right. So this whole pressure of trying to equalize everybody. God is not a Peugeot manufacturing plan that makes all cars the same series the same. Even in the same house. You have a house, a family where there are five children. One will be midget, one will be this stuff. You're wondering, God, what happened? He says, it's the person's portion. I want someone that can be close to the ground in case you want to kill scorpion quickly. I want someone that can be changing light bulbs. <laughs> it's God that allocates that. But when you don't understand that, you come in and before you know it, there is envy, there is dissatisfaction, there is frustration. Because you're looking and you're saying, this brother, uh, what does he have more than me? And I think sisters always ask that question. Who is she even? Who does she think? What does she have? You do like this, you do like that. May God deliver you. It's not a wise thing. Praise the Lord. Because God loves you. Praise the Lord. And the demonstration of God's love is that you're in Christ. Listen, if you sit back and remember, I do, you know, from time to time, the Lord helps me. And I remember people who were close to me who died not knowing Christ. I could have been one of them. The greatest gift you can receive on this side of eternity is salvation. If God has endowed you with that gift, you're not suffering any loss. In fact, once you're endowed with that gift, you become a debtor. Like the apostle is writing here. We are now to go reconciling all men. We are now to be redeeming the time because the days are evil. So the Christian must not imagine that anything... Okay, thank you, Holy Spirit. This is another way he made me understand it. He said, I should tell you that anything that was happening in the world before Christ came is not what he came to bring. What was happening in the world before Christ came? In the time of Lot, 
In the time of now, what did the Bible say? That men were marrying, giving in marriage. They were building houses. They were doing all of that. Anything that was in this world before Christ came is not what he brought. So I cannot now have Christ and make the sum total of my life to get what was there before he came. Does it mean I lose those things? I may. Praise the Lord. Does it mean he, might, he will not give me? No. He might decide that you, you will function. It's like a coach. He might say you'll be an attacker. So he'll give you, you'll become the billionaire. But let that be his choice. Praise the Lord. He might decide you become the church celebrity. So that when people look at you, they say, ah, if this person can serve God, I will also serve God. That's his choice to make. Praise the Lord, somebody. He might also decide that you be the one that when people look at you and they say, ah, see this brother is serving God. In spite of his difficulty, they'll also be challenged. Let him play you wherever he wants to play you. Trusting that in Christ, all things are yours. Because we have a world out there that needs his touch. And it's because of a lack of understanding of this that our impact and our influence is reducing out there. Because when we sit with the contemporaries, the people of the world there, we are not glorying enough in our strength. Praise the Lord. We are not. You know, I don't know how to communicate this. You are a spiritual royalty. Amen. You see, the Bible says he has made us what? Kings and priests unto our God. That position is in spite of your circumstances. That's why Paul put here in verse 16. He says, therefore, from now on, we regard no one what? According to the flesh. Say, even myself. You know, some of us, there are some days that you dress up like this, you come out. You think you can win a soul. You have regarded yourself according to the flesh. How many of us also find out that it's easier for us to minister to the people selling orange and gate, and gate men. You're regarding yourself according to the flesh. Because that person, no matter what you say, they say, oh God, thank you. Oh God, yes sir, I agree. But when you know yourself in the spirit, then you know you can stop the bank MD as you people are passing. I say, I want to ask you a question. Do you have Jesus in your life? Because that bank MD is not higher than you by any means if he doesn't have Jesus. And what you're presenting to him is the glorious gospel of Christ. He's blessed hearing you. Praise the Lord. But oftentimes we regard ourselves according to the flesh. So we want to be, you know, physically higher or physically stable. I told you, I mean, these things, you learn it as you grow. I remember when I was so happy as a pastor that I had a sports car parked in front of the church. So that when people pass, they'll know that God is blessing people. Meanwhile, I bought the sports car from a Muslim. He bought a better car. I bought his older car. <laughs> and the thing was doing my head like this. See, we are growing. <laughs> Do you understand? I mean, can you imagine how, how ludicrous it sounds? So you think because of this now? No, we are, who, we, are, we are commissioned as ambassadors of Christ. We carry a message, I think Momichi told us on Wednesday. He said, we bear this treasure where in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power. So from, if you learn anything tonight, don't look at yourself. Look at him. Our message is Christ. Our glory is Christ. Our wisdom is Christ. Our power is Christ. Praise the Lord, somebody. He's our testimony. Somebody say, what testimony do you have to share? He say, my testimony is Christ. The son of God. He lives in me. Praise the Lord. I like that song that said, I spoke to him this morning. He's my friend. Have you had a friend who is a name dropper before? One name that you are permitted and encouraged to drop is the name of Jesus. Drop his name everywhere. Praise the Lord. 
We're told in Jeremiah, even boasting his name. Hallelujah, somebody. So we as believers, we're in a position that we are truly, truly privileged. And the beautiful thing about this is that the way God has designed it, which is what we're trying to, you know, fully capture on Sunday, is that we are not sent out empty. There's always a deposit. There's always a credit made into us. So when I become a Christian, I'm credited with all that Christ is. Praise the Lord. I wrote it here, impute and output. And then after I wrote impute, I was made to write God put. So there is a God put and then there is what? An output. If I don't catch a revelation of the God put, I will struggle with the output. So the reason I don't boast in Christ, the reason I don't raise my head high enough, the reason I walk in down is because I don't understand my God put. Praise the Lord. If you and I know our Lord Jesus speaking, you know, he, he said to them, let's take John 7, 37 to 39. He said, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. 38. He says, he who believes in me, let me point something out here. When the Bible says some things, I've, said, I've told us here, there are so many things in the Bible say the same thing. When the Bible says receive, when the Bible says eat, when the Bible says drink, when the Bible says obey, when the Bible says accept, when the Bible says believe, they all mean the same thing. So if you notice here now in 37, put 37 please. 37, he says, if anyone says, let him come to me and what? Drink. Who are you drinking? You're drinking him. That is also believing in him. Praise the Lord. So 38 now says, he who believes in me, who has drank of me, as the scripture has said, what is going to happen? Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, can you see here that you are not expected to flow out rivers of living water unless the water had what? Been first fed you. That's why if you read the book of Ephesians and, you know, most of the um, um, epistles, they tell you what Christ is and what Christ has done. So Colossians begins to tell us that he's been made head unto what? Principalities and powers. Meditate on that. So inside of you is the one who is the chief of 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 principalities and powers. So if you have an uncle or an old man or somebody who says they are Oboni water, you pity them because the chief of their chief of their chief of their chief is inside of you. So they are not your mates. This Jesus that is inside of us, this Jesus that is your savior is mighty. And then he begins to tell you that this Jesus just is not just on your side. He died for you. The chief of the Oboni will not die for him. That's why when in, the, in spiritual warfare, when you bring the blood of Jesus, is a game ender. You know why? No other blood can compare. When you bring it with revelation. Okay, um, Emma is my friend and um, he needs a favor from Prince. So I take Emma. And I go there and say, please, Prince, can you do a favor to this, my brother? Okay? You know, because of me, you'll bend. Then if you agree, I go, Abby. But what if he's coming to you and he's telling you that for this thing, I have sacrificed myself. You see, Jesus did not take change when he died for us. He didn't just tell the Father, help them. Is someone hearing me? He didn't just tell the Father, save them. He didn't just tell the Father, bless them. He paid in full. 
When he hung on the cross, he said it is what? Finished. Everything necessary. That is the depth of his commitment to you and I. The Christian is too backed up to be afraid. These are some of the things that the Apostle Paul caught and was unstoppable. It was a revelation he caught. And and this revelation does not come single-handed. That's why we started from where we started. Because if you try to get this, you know, catch this and keep it on one side and keep the expectation of no suffering, no endurance, you will be frustrated. So this same Paul who has this revelation says, he said uh, that I may know him. Hallelujah. And what else? The power of what? Hallelujah. That's where everybody wants to stop. And then he said, the fellowship of what? His sufferings. And then what? If I am enemies, I may attain what? Unto, that is someone who has fully comprehended Christ. You can't want to take a bit of it. No. If I eat him, that's why I say, believe him, drink him, eat him, receive him, is everything. So he says, if we endure with him, we will also what? Reign. And because we're in this side of eternity, it has pleased God to put the demand of endurance first. That's why some people never get to the glory. And that's why the enemy keeps succeeding with pulling saints down. Because he dangles glory. Before Jesus started his ministry, the very first day he was to start, the devil said, let me give you glory. So every temptation is shortcut to glory. Every temptation is glory. Uh, what was it called? What's this deposit they used to do? Upfront. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Every temptation is glory upfront. But when the Christian learns that glory is sweet at the end, hallelujah. Even God Himself is not getting the glory He should get. Leah Sharibu is still in prison now, is still in captivity now. Why? Because she honored Jesus. You think Jesus is finding it funny? It's paining him. What did our Lord Jesus Christ say to Saul of Tarsus? He said, why are you persecuting me? The persecution of every Christian is a persecution of Jesus. He's feeling it. He has not intervened to scatter everything. You know why? Let me tell you why. We looked at the scripture on Sunday. Where John 2, I think from 17 down. When um, at the temple, he saw the money changers and all of that. This is what the Bible said. John 2 from um, 13. He says, now the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. How do you think Jesus did this? You think he was working like this? He actually... Lost his temper. That may not be too... He didn't lose his temper per se. But you see, he got to a level. Okay? But now, the thing there is this. What temper did he lose to? He lost to the temper of God. This is what God will do at the end. He will purify his house. You know, the Bible talks about God winking at things for a season. Okay? So, but at that moment... Zeal for the father's house, zeal for the father's honor consumed him and he made that intervention. I bet you after he left, they set back their tables and continued because the time for the final judgment had not come. But that is a picture, praise the Lord, showing us what it is. So you and I can look at our lives now and see. In fact, as as I'm writing this down, I wanted to ask us, can you remember three times you lost your temper? 
since you became born again. Three times. And I want to ask you, was any of them for Jesus? From tonight, you're delivered. From tonight, you have gone to the next level. You will never lose your temper again except for God's house. In the name of Jesus. Now, losing that temper for God's house is an avenue for the demonstration of God's power. Because what begins to happen now is that at that point, when you see, and for God's sake, for Christ's sake, this is not acceptable to you. When you release that, you know, adrenaline or whatever at that time, the Holy Spirit will use you to create a witness. And that's what I tell us there about miracle signs and wonders. You hear me. Some of us may experience that soon. I would like to hear the testimony. Is that you'll be in an environment where the name of the Lord is being, you know, or where the enemy is just behaving anyhow. And the spirit of God inside of you is being provoked. At that moment, allow him to use you. Praise the Lord. Take it personal on his behalf. Because of this, let, let me just go to an illustration that I trust will help us so we really don't um, miss it. David, if there is a designer, okay, one of the, I think the best uh, number one saint we have in the Old Testament is Joseph. No error, you know, recorded against his name. But David was one mighty one. And in this instance, I want you to see the life of David. Okay, we've learned here that David's brothers did not know he killed a lion. They didn't know he killed a bear. I don't understand that. It doesn't make sense. But it's true. You know why? You cannot tell a man, a boy who has killed a lion, go back there. It's not possible. In our place, there's a title, when you kill a lion, that title, they buy with money now. But those days, it's an Obuago title. You now carry feather. When they're sharing the Omona meat, your own portion is special. You cannot tell a boy, somebody who has killed a lion and a bear, to go back. The father cannot be sending him to de- deliver bread and cheese. But David killed a lion and a bear. The point I want to make there is this. David killed a lion and a bear. And he didn't ask God for permission. You know, one of the things we learn about David is that he will ask the Lord, should I go? Am I right? So why didn't he ask, should I go and kill the lion? You know why? It was not personal. He said, when a lion and a bear rose to take one of my father's sheep, that's where you want to get to. Where what concerns the father is your, it consumes you. That is the fire that we should be burning with. You know, the picture I saw when I saw this is tune in to most, attend most prayer videos. Okay, let, let, us, let us pray, you know, let us pray that, you know, the hearts of men will be soft to the word of God, that as the word of God comes, people will receive it. Let us pray that uh, those who give their lives to Christ will grow, that they'll be established in the faith. Now, let us pray that by this time next week, your breakthrough would have come. <laughs> what is happening? They are not concerned about their father's sheep. They are not concerned about all of that. If you want people to move, bring what touches them. Unfortunately, it works. Unfortunately, it's strange fire. Our Lord Jesus gave us the pattern for prayer. Pray in this manner. Father which is in heaven, what? Hallowed be thy name. His interest. Next one is what? Thy? His interest. Next one is what? His interest. Before he gets to... Give us this day our daily bread. So if you have 100% energy, you should have at least used 75% on the kingdom business. God is not unmindful of your needs. Let's know that. He loves us more than we can ever know.
And he has told us that he even knows the things. That's beautiful. He knows the things that we have needed. How many of us have experienced in time miracles that God did some things for you and said, this God is too much? That he knew what you needed more than you knew how you needed it. Now, do you think he does that once in a while? That's where he wants to be with you. Tell yourself, I'll allow him to do that. He wants to be in the place where he's continually, he's a father. Praise the Lord. Okay, so David with the lion and the bear, he didn't ask permission. We didn't see anywhere where they said, David asked the Lord, should I pursue the lion? No. He went immediately and killed the lion. Went immediately and killed the bear. Why? Because it was not his own. It was the father's sheep. Okay, the second one, Goliath. Okay, when David was going to fight Goliath, we didn't see a place where David said, turn to pray. Lord, should I fight this battle? All he said was, who is this word? Uncircumcised Philistine. Listen, if you're a businessman here, if you're in a place of work here, I'm giving you secrets for rising. The God we serve is jealous. And if you would take up his interest, covertly or openly, in such situation, he will lift you up. But you see, I don't know if I'm communicating this well. God has an, a name to protect. Let me give you another testimony just quickly. So. I live in an estate, and many years ago, it's, um, it's 18 years in that estate, so about maybe 17, 16 years ago, the place was like the middle, those who know my house, that whole place was empty, was forest everywhere. And they were saying we needed security, we needed to bring Mopola and all of that. And in that meeting, you know, I just said to them, I say Mopola and all of that is good, but safety is only of Jehovah. So... I'm not saying you shouldn't bring Mopo, but I want to tell you that bringing Mopo will not keep us safe. But that God can keep us safe. That was what I said in that meeting. Up to now, we don't have Mopo. And up to now, if we've had any incident there, there'll be just the people who, you know, break through burglary proof. We've not had the type of people, you know, that need to meet Mopo. You see, when you boast about God, when you speak up for his sake, God knows how to back you up. Because you see, one of the things we've been assured is that as I live, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will do what? Will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Our brother, um, is it Aledo Warinjini, Aledo that came many years ago for a men's meeting. Such a blessed time in God's presence. Remember also how he boasted in the Lord? And the contract he was not qualified for, he was in Port Harcourt. He said he got in to present his bid. And the Holy Spirit said, take this route. He was competing with three other uh, multinational organizations. <laughs> the route they took was blocked. And when he got to the place where he was to drop his bid, the time to close to, for the opening of the bid was, I think, 12 noon. He got there about 11. They waited till 1, 1.32. His competitors did not come. That's how he was the sole contender for that bid. He had boasted in the Lord. And the Lord held those people with their hands. By the time they came, even they themselves knew. But they were thinking everybody was caught up. But God had made a way for his son. The God we serve is mighty. Can we put our hands together? He's a big, big God. Praise the Lord. I'm saying that to say that God knows how to take care of us. You have no need to be afraid. Because you can be hearing things like this and you're wondering, how will I survive? God will take care of you. Just put your trust in him and seek his honor. Okay, so David fought and killed Goliath. He did not ask God, should I? Why? Because he said, it's not, this is, I mean, I don't need to ask God about this. 
How can this dog, this uncircumcised Philistine, stand there and defy the armies of the living God? That was it. He went into the battle. In fact, if you read that story, it's so interesting. He said he ran towards him. The giant was running. You know, have, have you watch uh, boxing and all those matches. You notice that when one boxer is running towards the other one, what's the other one doing? You don't see anyone where this one is running, especially the bigger one and the smaller one is running. But David did that. You know why? He don't craze. The apostle Paul says, if we are besides ourselves, it is for God. I pray that you become besides yourself for Jehovah. Both in your finances, every area, in your business. Take stand. Say this one. In fact, this is where you can get to the level where you tell God. You see, Jacob, there are principles to learn from everyone in the Bible. Jacob said, God, before, we don't know whether he had paid tithe or all of that. He said, God, this one, 10% for you. So you can be entering into some business and you tell God, this one, me and you, 50-50. But God give you grace so that when the thing comes, <laughs> you'll not say, like my friends told me, 500,000 to church? Ow! Have I told you the story? How many haven't heard the story? If you haven't heard the story, raise your hand. So I should tell you the story. Okay. After I got born again and um, I was in the bank, I was do- doing, um, I was a foreign exchange trader. So I was doing a lot of um, foreign exchange transactions for this 419. This is my 419 brothers. So I was making spread. My bank was making money and I was also making a spread because when the money comes in, I arrange who buys it. Sometimes my bank, sometimes another bank. And, you know, I make a spread. The people get the money. The bank buys. Everybody's happy. But after I got born again, the Spirit of the Lord said, you can't do that with these people again. Okay? So, the very day I decided I would no longer do it, I'd done a transaction which my part of it was half a million. I'm talking of 1994-95. Half a million. So, I made the decision. And God be merciful. That Wednesday, I pity those who don't come to church on Wednesdays. That Wednesday in church... The preacher was preaching and just said, what is half a million to lose your soul for? God loves me. I'm telling you, I say God does what? He made that statement that Wednesday. He said, what is half a million? So the next day on a Thursday morning, I was in my office. And these my friends came. They were my friends and they were my customers and they were phone. So we, it was, everything was together. So they came into my office, you know, dropped the money on my table, my half a million. And I laughed. I said to them, okay, sorry that this money I won't be able to receive it. Because, you know, I'm born again. They knew I'd been, and I'd gotten born again before then. I'm born again and, you know, I'm not to receive this money. But what I'm going to do, thank you. I'm going to take it and go and give to my church. So I took the money and started going to the counter. When I got to the counter, I said, please, can we fill this up and, you know, make this as a deposit to redeem Christian Church of God. And my friend that was standing there said, What? Are you crazy? I didn't tell you all. Before, while I was in my office, he said, no, take it. It's your money. You know, this is your portion. He was persuading me to take it. Take it. It's your own. So I, I laughed and just took it. So, I mean, a way of not giving him back the money. But when I got to the counter, his reaction showed me that that money was not Naira. It was a chain. For those of us that keep tempting God and God is giving us up, who knows if I disobeyed God without half a million? The type of chain they would have, maybe I would have been the type of pastor that you pay 20000 to see. I may have continued to be a pastor, but maybe Mammon would have built a house in my heart. Because he was persuading me. When I now said to church, he got angry. God leave it. Say, what's wrong with you? You're stupid. And took the money and left. I said, so this money is good to enter me, but it's not good to enter church. 
That's when I knew, ladies that are here, it's not every man that is buying something for you that you should be laughing, giggling. Some monies are carrying chains, carrying deadly poison. Is someone hearing me? That's how I got delivered. He was the same one that told me I know Bible more than his father was a reverend. And he knew. He was the same one that told me I'll be poor. This thing I'm doing. Maybe his father was poor and he was angry. I don't know. But what I'm saying is this. <laughs> money. Ah, so you have given the money. What is your business? What I do with it. I must eat it. True story. 1994-95. Okay, let, let's go back to David. So we said David did not inquire. He killed the lion. David did not inquire. He killed. Uh, he fought and killed Goliath. David now found Saul. Who was pursuing his life? Should I give us references? Uh, this one is First Samuel twenty-four, four to six. David now found Saul, who was in pursuit of his life, and Saul was easing himself, so he could just one strike, he'll kill Saul. And the Bible said David would not strike Saul. In fact, he left, and his heart smote him because he caught a piece of Saul's garment. Now, any lawyer here? Somebody wants to kill you, and you kill the person. What is it called? self-defense. Even the law of the land will vindicate you. But David will not kill Saul. You know why? David killing Saul was not God's battle. It was David's battle. And to prove to us it was not an accident, it happened twice. Showing us how Christians behave. Some of us when you see some people, I I think it was um, um, uh, Apostle Robert that told us, that when you see some pastors vibrating, that is anger for what somebody provoked them with. It's not anointing. Somebody gossip with you. So you bring, ah, Telbiaras must die. It's not as if you hate Telbiaras on behalf of the Lord. It's because the thing touched you. You understand? Twice, David would not kill Saul. Because if he did that, it would be self-defense. The only defense we are to have is Christ's defense. Christ himself will be the one to vindicate us. He says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. That's what the Bible says. So someone looks for your trouble. He's wasting his time because he don't even have trouble again. <laughs> Hallelujah. The person is wasting time. Okay? Praise the Lord. So twice like that. And in one instance, this one is very interesting. First Samuel 25, 32 to 34, briefly. That was when Nabal, the, the man that was called a fool, okay, really provoked David. And at that point, David could have missed it. But God raised mercy. I think that's part of what you are teaching us. God is merciful to us. He would not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. Because David would have wiped off Nabal's house. And that would have affected his testimony. He would never have become all that he was to be in God. Because we couldn't have been able to say this about him. So God raised that bigger. And he went and prevented David. And said to him things that David realized this is true. Because he would have gone there, killed a man for refusing to give him food. Whereas he was supposed to be shepherd of all Israel, he would have killed one of his sheep. May God help us leaders in Jesus' name. No matter how someone provokes you, he's still your sheep. So he repented and backstepped. Now, finally on David, when there was an occasion that affected him, his wife and his children and the wives of his soldiers, 1 Samuel 13, and they had burnt everything he had. If I were David at that point, will you pray? 1 Samuel 13, verse 6, will you pray? Do you know what they did to me? They'll be holding you like this. Your chest will be falling out. But David said, Lord, shall I pursue? Taking permission from God to go for his wife and children. 
You know why? David had become the Lord's bond servant. He does not fight a battle except for Christ's sake. He also manifested it when Absalom was against. He said, if God did not allow him, this won't happen. And then God said, I give you permission. Pursue and you will overtake. And without fail, you'll do what? You'll cover all. Why? Because this man has become the Lord. My prayer is that the Lord will know you are his. So that in your subconscious, Jehovah will know you are his. You see, God has heights, has corners he wants to send people to. Ambassadors, what? The government of a state sits down and they think, who represents us the best? Let's rise on our feet. God wants to send us. God is equipping us. He said, raise for me men I can use. God is equipping you and I so that he can send us. I, I've told us here, many of us are in training. Don't mind what I'm saying. God will make a lot of us here billionaires. I'm telling you the truth. When the time comes, he's going to put you in places of influence where your voices will matter. But he must be sure you are trained. Praise the Lord. He must be sure that he has gotten you to the place of meekness so that when you get there, you will not run off and become a danger, a source of destruction to the kingdom. So tonight, what I want us to do is thank God. Thank him for the grace that he has demonstrated, the gift that he has gifted to you. Thank him for, for his love that has constrained you. Thank him for his mercy that has chosen you. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I ordained you. I want somebody to remember that God found him. God looked at his need and said, I'm going to use somebody there. I'm going to send somebody there. And he looked at you and said, I will. And then he's begun to do a work of training. In Christ Jesus, he first of all wiped all your past away. Washed out the handwriting of requirement that was contrary to you. He put on you a new destiny. He called you his ambassador. He called you his beloved. He gave you his Holy Spirit and said, you are mine. You are my battle access. That's what he's saying to somebody. And he said, I will use you. Now, this season is a season of preparation, a season of training, a season of discipline, a season of learning instructions, a season of knowing who the master is and who the servant is, a season of settling in whose side you belong, a season of knowing whose glory you're fighting. In any war, there is nothing as important as the flag. The flag determines who won the battle. When the Lord said, the, when uh, Moses said, the Lord is my banner. He's saying, Jehovah is my banner. What we are learning in this season, it doesn't matter what happens to me. As long as Jesus is glorified, I have victory. Tonight, I want you to tell the Lord, I thank you because I am on your side and you are my side. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.com. God bless you.